Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that happen in history. I'm Amelia Edwards and with me as ever is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello there y'all. Hello. And today is a special episode. Woo. It is our 50th episode ever. Woo! Hooray! Yay. We are still going. Yep. And we're still talking. Yep. And we've not run out of history yet. Nope. Hooray! <laughs> that is my fear with this podcast. <laughs> Someday we will run out of things to say. Yeah. But luckily there are, what, at least 5,000 years worth of recorded history? Well, yeah, but you know, a lot of it's boring. I don't know. <laughs> we haven't talked about Weenus yet. Oh my god, we haven't. Granted, he is really boring. His I mean, name is good though. Yeah, his name is good, but yeah, the rest of it is boring. Yeah. So I've always wanted to return to my original story for this podcast, which was about Richard the Lionheart. Yay! So last time we spoke about Richard the Lionheart was on the first episode of the podcast. It is poor quality listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, we had a crappy mic, uh, just one crappy mic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, We have since upgraded. We have. (laughs) And Um, I'm better at editing. (laughs) But uh, to let you know, at the point that we left off, Richard the Lionheart had been taken captive. Oh, no. I know. He was arrested for tax dodging. (laughs) It wasn't tax dodging at all, actually. Ah, It usually is. It was because of his actions in the crusade. Ah. If you recall, all the way back to that early episode, um, he had declared peace along with Saladin, Mm -hmm. and a lot of the rest of Christendom did not agree with that. (laughs) Because the crusade hadn't really worked out. It had not. Um, He had also been accused of trying to murder Philippe, the King of France, who had been his best friend and possibly lover. Mm. And he had also been accused of trying to murder somebody else whose name will come back to me when we get to it in this podcast. Excellent. Well, I mean, who hasn't been on a little holiday to Israel and thought, ooh, we could murder the King of France, yeah. Mm, And the King of Jerusalem. And the King of Jerusalem, yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Uh, He probably didn't try to murder either of those people. There was not much point in it, really. No, plus he's he's got better things to do. He's got fashionable clothes to wear and people to fight. He does have fashionable clothes to wear, and they are going to come up in this story. Oh, and he's got peaches to ask for. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I think I'm not going to mention much during this podcast, but something that should be borne in mind is that for the majority of my story, he is still suffering from... Possibly malaria or possibly dysentery. Oh, no. I mean, you don't want either. No. And he has at least one. Oh, that's not a good time. Poor Richard. Yeah. But it's one of those things I always kind of find a bit bit funny about his story because he's always portrayed in this sort of glorious, healthy, healthy way. Oh, yeah. He's, He's a mighty English warrior. It's never, oh, and then he was so sick that he got taken captive because he literally couldn't leave. Yeah. Which happens in the story. <laughs> so It doesn't come up in stuff like Game of Thrones and things like that. People don't just get ill because, you know, they get ill. It's no. always like, like, if someone does get ill, it's always like, oh my God, they've been poisoned. It's they not were just... pushed out of a window because they saw something incestuous. Yeah, but instead it's just like, you know, people just get ill and sometimes that yep. really screws things up. Oh, yes. And it didn't really work out for Richard. Once again, he is suffering from his illness. And I realised that last time I didn't tell you how he got captured. Ah. But the story of how he was captured and how he was freed is what we're going to talk about today. Okay. And it's an interesting story. It's entertaining. Mm -hmm. So here is how he got taken captive. He stopped at Ragusa, which is now Dubrovnik in Croatia. Right. Okay. And... They asked him, having noticed immediately that he was Richard, despite the fact he was actually supposed to be in disguise because he knew that people were out to get him (laughs) for all of the reasons I've listed before. Was he just very bad at disguising himself? He's so bad at it. (laughs) Did he just go, hello there, I'm I'm Richard. Um, the... Uh, dog heart, yes. Okay, we've talked before about, um, Peter the Great. Right. Um, disguising himself. Um, when he was oh, travelling yes. around Europe, but he was six foot four or something. Yeah. Richard was also a tall man. Right. Not that tall, but, you know, 
he's tall, he's clearly wealthy. Right. He's also really bad at understanding the value of money. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm going to make a number of references to Dungeons and Dragons through this episode. Oh, brilliant. Because we've got a friend called Ben who plays D&D with us. <laughs> and he keeps spending all this money on things that we, do, we don't get any value from. He just decides that he's going to give somebody, um, like, a donation. And he goes, yeah. I will donate 10 gold pieces. And this is, like, an extraordinary amount in the D&D world. I mean, it's, it's basically... Uh, a week's wage for a skilled labourer. Yeah. <laughs> Richard the Lionheart is actually that in real life. Right, okay. So he turns up in Dubrovnik and pretty much straight away gives up on being disguised, which he might have been as a Templar. Oh, okay. Mm. He had four knights Templar travelling with Ooh. him. I so know. he's part of the Illuminati. He's, he's definitely part of the Illuminati <laughs> that wasn't invented in the 1700s. <laughs> um, now... Because he turned up there, they said to him, Hey, would you mind giving us some money to endow a cathedral? Mm-hmm. And of course he goes, You know what? There's a bank here. <laughs> oh no. I'm totally going to do that. So he gets a loan and endows this cathedral. Is this the equivalent of there being like a charity person in the street with like a tin and you go to the bank and like take out a hundred quid and give it to them? Yes. Right. And they're asking for like pocket change. I mean, I think they are asking for a lot because they wanted cathedral endowing money, which I think is significant. Oh, I I thought it was just like, you know, get everyone to chip in a little bit and pay for this cathedral. Yeah. Um, No, I think they were asking him a lot because they were like, oh, hey, this is the King of England (laughs) and effectively ruler of an empire. Yeah. Although he wasn't an emperor. Well, yes, yeah. Um, Okay, so he spent a load of money, Mm -hmm. which was remembered in this part of the world until at least the early 1900s like in 1912 somebody from that region mentioned the fact that Richard the Lionheart had endowed this cathedral when he said that Britain wasn't going to let them down in World War 1 I know (laughs) meanwhile Britain completely had forgotten (laughs) yeah no we had who are you sorry what Dubrovnik Mm. wait wait do we own something there (laughs) then we might as well fight for it (laughs) no we want it back Oh, true. <laughs> Let's ship the whole of Dubrovnik Cathedral, which by this time had been destroyed and replaced <laughs> with the Baroque version. But you know what I say. God's sake. <laughs> if what it ain't Baroque, don't fix it. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So, he'd spent a load of money here, and this had been noted. So that's the reason I bring it up. And then after that, got back into his boat, and the wind swept the ship towards... Aquileia, which was not where he intended to go. Right. He was trying to go up north towards Saxony. Right. And he's been swept onto the coast of Italy. Right, I see. So he's in a place now that's under the indirect control of the Holy Roman Empire. Right. And the Holy Roman Emperor really wants to get on Philip's good side and also hates Richard for various reasons. Okay, which Holy Roman Emperor is this? This is Henry the Fourth. Right. So, Richard thinks it's a good idea to go in disguise, so mm-hmm. he and his men disguise themselves as merchants. And he told anyone who asked that he was called Hugo, mm. a merchant. <laughs> he said, okay, okay, if anyone asks, I am Hugo, King of England. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> he's so bad at this. I, yeah. I will... I'll let you know how bad he is. Yeah. But he's Hugo, mm. and everyone with him gets their own, like, merchanty names. Excellent. Um, now, the problem is that while they are in Italy, it's northern Italy, mm-hmm. it's December. Okay. And their journey is going to involve crossing the Alps. Right. And most of the passes in the Alps weren't actually opened until the next century. Oh, wow. <laughs> so crossing the Alps means Hannibal style. Yeah. Without the elephants. Mm. Or the acid. Or the acid. This was a really bad idea. Like, yeah. you don't want to do this. I don't want to do it. No. <laughs> so what do you do in this situation? Well, in true Dracula style... Richard went to the nearest castle to ask for advice. Oh, okay. I thought you meant he shipped himself in a coffin. Oh, that would do it too, yeah. <laughs> no, the thing is that apparently at this time, the ports closed officially 
in, I think, around the 10th of November, oh, around okay. the Mediterranean. So it wasn't actually possible for them to sail anymore. Really? Yes. Why? Because it was so dangerous that uh, the ports are just like, we are not dealing with this. We're not enough. letting you risk stuff. And they didn't have insurance agencies in those days. <laughs> uh, no. Sorry, I suddenly got onto Dutch insurance policies in my head. No. Um, oh, exciting. I know. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so they were actually in a town called Gorizia. Mm -hmm. And so Richard stayed at the inn and he sent a messenger to the castle asking for safe passage and a guide. Right. And he evoked the truce of God, Ah. which is a universal protection for crusaders that everyone was supposed to acknowledge and go along with. (laughs) And they're like, wait, aren't you a merchant? A crusader merchant. I mean, he did say that he was a merchant returning from a crusade. Right. Yeah, like, I think that would happen. Yeah. Here's where he went wrong. Right. As a token of peace, he sent a present to the lord of this castle. Okay. It was a ruby ring worth more than 900 bezants. Now, a bezant is a Byzantine gold piece. Right. Okay. So... A really hefty gift. It's an extraordinary gift. (laughs) Now, the thing is that the lord of this particular castle, um, who was Count Engelbert. Oh, wow, yes. Very nice. Count Engelbert asked the messenger, you know, who sent this and what are their names? And the messenger says, one of them is called Baldwin of Bethune and the other is called Hugo, a merchant who also sent you this ring. And... Count Engelbert goes, he is not called Hugo, but King Richard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, straight up, that's <laughs> King Richard. Um, he hadn't even seen him. He just knew. Yeah, fair enough. And he also added, although I have sworn that I would arrest all the pilgrims coming from those parts and would not accept any gift from them, nevertheless, because of the worth of the gift and of the Lord who sent it, who honoured me, an unknown man, I will send back the gift he sent and I give him free licence to go away. Right, okay. I thought you were going to say, he was like, because of the uh, extravagance of the gift, I will keep it. No, he, he <laughs> was a reasonable man right. and he went, okay, you know, he's been he's been okay. Yeah. I've got no real reason to arrest him right now. Yeah. Um, so let's just tell him to piss off. <laughs> I don't got, want any part of this. Yeah. I've got no reason to arrest him, but I really don't want him here. Yeah, no. <laughs> so at this point, Richard took the hint and yeah. left. Then he did actually manage to get over the Alps, which is an extraordinary feat. Wow, okay. I know. And he what, got... without a guide or anything? Without a guide or anything. Whoa. I think they must have found some local people. Yeah, because that's crazy. It's insane. Especially because he is still ill. Yeah. Like, he is not a well man. Oh, but you know what? Cold temperature. Oh, must be nice for the fever. I suppose so. (laughs) But maybe after a while it would start to grate on you. Yeah, probably. Okay, so he made it to Vienna. Right. Um, Once again, he was not subtle in Vienna. Hmm. So, and he was also very ill. Yeah. Um, He employed a boy who spoke German to work for him. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. Um, but this boy kept making daily visits to the market and people felt he was a bit suspicious because he clearly had too much money. Right. And he also spoke German with a strange accent. <laughs> Just enjoying this. Like, Richard sends him out to the market and he's like, boy, I require an apple. How much is an apple these days? 20 quid? Yeah, <laughs> take t- 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 50 just in case. I mean, probably. <laughs> like, okay. This is the stupidest thing Richard does. Right. Although it might not have been his fault, but it still sounds dumb. Mm -hmm. Okay, so one day it was particularly cold. Yeah. It is Mm mid-December. So this boy takes with him Richard's ornate gloves with the royal insignia on them. Oh my God. And he was arrested. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, so the boy, who is unnamed, was persuaded to tell the people who arrested him where Richard was. Right. He was probably tortured. Yeah. And then he sinks back into the annals of history and we never hear from him again. Mm. Um, Fingerless Joe, they call him after that. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. I hope not. Um, So Leopold of Austria's men Mm -hmm. um, go to the inn where he's staying. And in the legend, he disguised himself 
as a kitchen boy and was like turning the spits um so that they wouldn't what richard yeah <laughs> he disguised himself as a kitchen boy they walk in and they're like why is that kitchen boy wearing a crown well yeah um also it could just be a legend from the french to show how disgraced he was right. because he was so sunk i see Anyway, so he gets arrested by Leopold and taken to Dernstein Castle. Now, Leopold told the Holy Roman Emperor, Henry IV, that he had arrested Richard. And Henry IV wrote a gloating letter to Philip of France. <laughs> ha ha, I got Richard before you. <laughs> More or less. And also being like, by the way, you know all those favours I might like, because I really want to invade Sardinia. Um, Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, could you make good, possibly, mm. Philippe? I've got your enemy here. <laughs> How much does Philippe hate Richard? So much. This is mad. I think he feels betrayed. Yeah. He used to love him. I know, you know what it's like when people break up, and if it's a bad breakup, it really just sours the whole thing. They're never going to be friends. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, Philippe's always wanted to invade England. Oh, yeah, and, but um, then again, who hasn't? And also, it's really helpful that Richard's away. Mm. So having Richard captured is actually pretty good for Philippe because he can get on with trying to invade. Yeah, and it's just kind of John there at the moment, isn't it? And he's it a twat. Is. Uh, <laughs> okay, so it's John and it's also a bunch of um, like noblemen that Richard left in charge. Yeah. Who turned out to be super unpopular mm-hmm. and who've been getting into fights with Richard and one of whom fled England disguised as a woman and got discovered because he was harassed by a fisherman on the docks. Oh, wow. I know. Wow. Okay, yeah. Cat calling. Not even once. Uh, (laughs) It was was more than that. It it was a grope. Oh, no. Indeed. And then they were like, hang on a second. This this woman seems strange. (laughs) Why am I imagining some sort of like bawdy uh, music hall comedy where he grab he grabs grabs this woman by the boob yes. and a balloon flies out. Pretty much. <laughs> if only the balloon had been invented then. Oh, right. An orange. No, couldn't be an orange, could it? It's quite difficult. There aren't many round things no, in England you're right. at the time. There's probably some sort of melon. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the best part of that story is that actually he wasn't discovered because he wasn't a woman. He was discovered because he couldn't speak English. Ah, right. Because he was a French speaker. Yeah. An English woman asked what he was doing, and he couldn't <laughs> He was respond. like, pardon? <laughs> <laughs> pardon, pardon, madame? Je ne comprends pas. Um, okay, so, there's a lot going on in England. Pardon, pardon madame, je ne comprends pas. Oh, that's an odd accent, isn't it? <laughs> Where are you from, my lovely? <laughs> why does this why does this Kentish fisherwoman sound like she's from Cockney London she's from in the, the past, isn't she? That's very You're true. You're all Cockney. <laughs> okay, so the thing is that um William Longchamp, who is the guy I've been talking about, mm-hmm. had actually managed to get to Paris. Right. Despite having been discovered in a very flattering but too long green dress. Right. Um he had managed to get to Paris, and as a result, when Philippe got his letter and it started being boasted about that Richard's been kidnapped, right? Um, he knows about it. Yeah. And then he tells everyone, and everyone knows that Richard has been captured. Right, okay. Okay. So, the problem is that they do not know where Richard is being held captive. Right. And Eleanor of Aquitaine, Richard's mother, who I've talked about previously in a double episode, Mm -hmm. is getting really involved in this because she can see that England is basically tearing (laughs) itself apart. She she turns up and is like, I've got to sort this out, haven't I? Everyone around here is completely incompetent apart from me. Yep. (laughs) Especially because at this point, Philippe and John actually were trying to team up to invade England. Oh, wow. Because John wants to get hold of England too. (laughs) Oh, poor Eleanor. I know. She's got a lot to deal with. (laughs) Yeah. And she's getting on a bit, isn't she? Yeah, she's in her 70s. Yeah. So, there is a legend Mm -hmm. about how he was found. Right. And how they worked out who was actually, like, responsible for holding him captive. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And the legend goes that Blondel, a minstrel who was part of Richard's retinue, mm-hmm. went around Germany and Austria singing a song that they had written together. Right. And he sang one verse of the song under um, Dernstein Castle, and Richard sang the other verse, and that's how he knew where he was. Of course, yes. It's so romantic. (laughs) I mean, I'm assuming that's probably bollocks. Almost definitely. So do we know how they did find... Because I'm presuming they did find him. They did find him. We don't know how. (gasps) So... There's a suggestion by David Boyle, who wrote a book called Blondel's Song. Yeah. That the song, the idea of Blondel singing the song mm-hmm. and going striding around troubadour style to find Richard is actually to hide a spy network. Ah, that's good. Yeah, because we know that William Longchamp had managed to find him. Right. This, but we so, don't know how. So this reminds me of the whole thing about um, radar. What, eating in, carrots? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where it's like, oh, that's why that's why British pilots knew where the enemy was, because they ate lots of carrots mm-hmm. they could see in the dark. Nothing to do with radar at all. No, no, no. We never invented radar. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, this is, this is that. This is the early version of that. Right. We know where Richard is, because he is a troubadour, and he likes to sing... And so does his minstrel Blondel, mm-hmm. um, who, by the way, did exist, and we've got some of his music still transcribed oh, cool. today. Um, he was secretly a spy. He was a spy minstrel. I mean, he could have been. Yeah. We, we just don't know. It's a pretty good uh, cover. It would be a good cover. I mean, you get to travel around, see mm-hmm. lots of different places. And no one would really notice you because no. you're just a minstrel. Especially if you're just writing stuff down. You're just writing song lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Very cunning. Okay, so... Leopold and Henry, between mm-hmm. them, decided that they would ransom Richard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. And they decided that his ransom would be 100,000 silver marks. Okay, how much is that? It's around a fifth of all the combined wealth of all the people and institutions of England. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So, as well as that... He had to loan the empire 50 galleys and 200 knights for a year. Right. So the combined value of all this comes up to 150,000 silver marks. Right. And this is to the Holy Roman Emperor. It is to the Holy Roman Emperor, and then he's going to split it 50-50 with Leopold of Austria. Right. And they're basically cutting Philippe out. Yeah. Um, Philippe is not getting any of this. What Philippe is getting is Richard being imprisoned, disgraced, etc. Right, okay. I mean, if I was Philippe, I'd be a bit pissed off. I would too. Like... I wanted him to be in prison forever for what he did to me. Yeah, but also just like, you have these grand plans to, you know, take over England and everything like that, and then they just work out a deal behind your back. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, I thought you wanted us to be friends, Holy Roman Empire. <laughs> and they're like, now nah, we've got other things to do now. Yeah. <laughs> We've got better plans. We can make more money this way. I mean, yeah, this is an absolute fortune. Mm. Um, so the thing was that they had their reason for holding Richard. So they yeah. also had to have a, a trial. Right. Um, and at this trial, Richard was accused of betraying the Holy Land by making peace with Saladin. Right. Plotting to kill Conrad, the King of Jerusalem, the mm. day before his coronation. Right. Demolishing the defences at Ascalon, which I don't know why they thought that he might have done that. (laughs) Personally, he went around loosening all the wheels. Yeah. (laughs) Was he like smashing walls? I don't know. Um, And also breaking certain agreements with the emperor. Right. And Richard at this trial defended himself really well. Um, He said of Philippe's anger... I know nothing that I that ought to have brought on me this ill humour, except for my having been more successful than oh. he. Oh! Philippe, you shit. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he's like, oh, he's just jealous. Yeah, he's just jealous because I'm so great and he's so rubbish. Mm, and also, you know, I did turn up looking gorgeous and wearing beautiful clothes. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
So, Which is, uh, I still love that because it's the complete reverse of the Lion in Winter. Oh yeah, because in the Lion in Winter, they're like Philippe. He's he's gorgeous. He's beautiful. He's slightly feminine. Mm. No, and R- <laughs> that's Richard's, definitely Richard. Richard's like manly. He's wearing like quite simple clothing. It's mm-hmm. a bit rough, and it's like, oh yeah, he's a soldier. Yeah, but. No, no, he's prancing about. <laughs> yeah, they, they've gone full into this idea of like English versus French, where yeah. the English are always kind of basic and the French are always kind of fabulous, mm. which I mean is a bit true nowadays, but in medieval times, not so much because the English were French. Mm. But it's fun because in Lion in Winter, you also get King Henry looking awesome and comfortable. Oh, he does look comfy. <laughs> So, it's a good film. People should watch it. <laughs> it is. I think we've only recommended it about five times. Yeah. Well, here's a sixth recommendation. <laughs> Hooray! Okay, so he made a successful speech defending himself, mm-hmm. and then he ended it by walking towards the emperor's throne and kneeling before him. <gasps> and Henry the Fourth wept, <gasps> lifted him up, <laughs> he... and gave him the kiss of peace. <laughs> and then he was like, ah. Oh. So wonderful, so peaceful. Now back to your prison cell with you. Well, (laughs) sort of. The thing is, when we're talking about prisons, we are not talking about prisons. Oh, no, no. I'm imagining like he's just locked up in a castle. He's not even locked up. Oh. Like, um, at one... <laughs> the door's open, Richard. You could have left at any time. At one point, <laughs> the... Um... The English had to send him a bunch of stuff while he was waiting to be properly ransomed. Right. And it included his hawks. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, this is just reminding me of that Rick and Morty episode where there's the Jerry daycare bit. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm leaving now. Okay, that was always an option. Yeah, I think I think he's always surrounded by guards and stuff. Yeah. To be like, he can't run away. But, you know, he can. he's going on sort of long hunts he's yeah. walking at one point he was apparently arrested by somebody else because of something he did like <laughs> he, he's, he's not really that in prison <laughs> no. it's like when people talk about lockdown it's like oh we're being in prison it's like no not really, really no you can go for walks in the countryside <laughs> yeah i mean richard's even less imprisoned than people under lockdown because yeah, he true. can assemble in a group of more than six yeah. um he's he just, not he's not gonna stay at home order <laughs> no i mean i think he's got a stay in the holy roman empire and well, its yes. surroundings but, <laughs> but that's quite big yeah that's like when i think of the holy roman empire i generally think of like a lot of Germany and mm-hmm. France and mm-hmm. all those countries in between. True. Um, he's not really wa- wasting away in Dernstein Castle, no. which is what Blondell's song yeah. kind of suggests, like <laughs> God, the whole legend of it. Wouldn't that be awful if that if that was the truth yeah. and Blondell did go around all these castles singing this song yeah. and he goes to Dernstein Castle and he sings this song... But Richard's out. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's not in there. Moves on to the next one. Richard comes back later, having had a great day of hunting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, this is why the, so- the story makes yeah. very little sense. Yeah, that, that would very much be like, he is locked up in a room in a tower in the castle mm-hmm. sort of thing. <laughs> so you're kind of right about Henry putting him back into a prison cell. Yeah. It's at this point that Leopold officially relinquishes his hold on Richard and gives okay. him to Henry the Fourth. Right. Um But Henry also having given him the kiss of peace and being like, Oh, it's all okay. We don't really think that you defied all of Christendom. You you did okay. Now let's make out. Um I think at this point, he kind of goes, didn't I promise something to Philippe? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Shit, the French. <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of the problem with Richard and all these people around him. is like they forget what they're yeah. doing all the time. <laughs> they get taken up by the moment. You know what? I love this as well. Like I mentioned earlier, like how Game of Thrones people don't just get ill. Wouldn't it be great if someone just forgot something? <laughs> it's like, it'd be there, like some scene in Game of Thrones. Cersei Lannister walks into a room and is like, what did I come in here for? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what people like Richard and the Holy yeah. Roman Emperor just do all the time. Someone makes an amazing speech and they're like, you know what? Yes, that. <laughs> and then people go, um, excuse me, but... Philippe is going to be oh yes that's why I was doing this I forgot we have all these legally binding contracts who what 
Okay, so he starts to slightly go back against that and be like, I might just keep you Im- imprisoned <laughs> for, for a while longer. You'll be restricted to one continent now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but luckily, we've got Eleanor. Yeah. And Eleanor... The only person who's competent. (laughs) Eleanor is furious and she does what every medieval person does when they get upset and she writes to the Pope. Ah, cool. Um, I I wish I could still do that. Like, just if you're just a bit miffed about something, you can just write to Pope Francis. You wouldn't expect a reply, but I think that would be... You know, I wonder if we should do that. Maybe we should. I think he'd like it. I think he'd like it. (laughs) Especially if we wrote like Eleanor did. Okay. So this was actually written by Peter of Blois, um, but it was written on behalf of Eleanor, and it is fiery, which is why I'm going to read a whole chunk of it. She said... My very bowels are torn away from me. I have lost the staff of my old age, the light of my eyes. The kings and princes of the earth have conspired against my son, the anointed. Yes? (laughs) I'm so angry I'm shitting myself. Yep. (laughs) The anointed of the Lord. One keeps him in chains while the other ravages his lands. One holds him by the heels while the other flays him. And while this goes on, the sword of St. Peter reposes in its scabbard. Why do I, a wretched creature, delay? Why do I not go that I may see him whom my soul loves, bound in beggary and irons? At such a time of this, how could a mother forget the son of her womb? Yet I fluctuate in doubt, for if I go away... I desert my son's kingdom, which is afflicted on all sides with fierce hostility. Once the church trod upon the necks of the proud with its own strength, and the laws of emperors obeyed the sacred canons. Now things have changed. No one dare murmur about the detestable crimes of the powerful, which it tolerated, and canonical rigour falls on the sins of the poor alone. Okay, this is amazing for a couple of reasons. (laughs) Firstly... Yas queen. Yas queen. <laughs> but also like, so she is like, I am shitting myself angry. My poor son is being treated so abysmally. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, he's off hunting. He's off having yeah. a great no, time. No, he's absolutely fine. <laughs> but we've got to bear in mind that Eleanor had a particular horror of being imprisoned. Oh, she was imprisoned, wasn't she? Literally the first thing she did when she was freed was she freed every prisoner in England because oh, she damn. said, I know how it feels. Even Mad Jack the murderer? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was with the prisoners of England at the time. Yeah, fair enough. But yeah, she really hated it. So even though I think Richard's okay. <laughs> Richard's chill. Richard's chill. She's not happy about it. I kind of like the thing about no one dares murmur about the detestable crimes of the powerful and canonical rigour falls on the sins of the poor alone. Yeah. It's just, just like, it ain't it always the way though, Eleanor? <laughs> but also like, so falls on the poor, like poor Richard. Oh no, she doesn't mean that. <laughs> okay. She's just like, you can't be bothered to deal with wealthy stuff. Right, you can only be bothered to deal with the poor. Oh, okay. I misunderstood yeah, that. No. I, thought, I thought she was trying to be like, oh, look at poor Richard. Look at look at him. And it's like, this is the man who was giving away very expensive rings. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so actually, the Pope doesn't respond to this letter. Oh no. I know. Um, so she sends two more letters <laughs> she sends a follow-up letter <laughs> with regards to my last email <laughs> oh it's better oh yay she styles herself eleanor by the wrath of god oh yes queen of england duchess of normandy and count of anjou <laughs> so good by the wrath of god yeah. i love her oh this is great i love that i I love Eleanor of Aquitaine. I love how intense she is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, even if this is written by someone else, there's a sort of feeling. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And I love that she goes on about being a mother and mm. how important it is and how he has betrayed her son. Oh, it's so good. Excellent. Um, so ultimately, slowly, we, we move on. We yeah. manage to get ahead and we get to the ransom parts. Okay. Now, I've already said this is a huge ransom. Yeah, what was it? A fifth of the wealth of the country, basically? Yeah. Um, now, most of the money raised for Richard's ransom was going to come from England. Right. Rather than the rest of the Angevin Empire. Right. This was partly because England Angevin was particularly... <laughs> Angevin biscuits. We're back to Angevin biscuits. Oh, man, they're so delicious in my mind. <laughs> We ransomed King Richard with sales of Angevin biscuits. 
<laughs> a fifth of all proceeds will go to ransoming the king on Javin Biscuits. <laughs> yes! <laughs> no, that's totally the sort of thing they would have done because I'm going to talk about some of the money raising in oh, a bit. Oh, nice. Okay, so um, the reason it was England was mm-hmm. partly because England was particularly wealthy. Yeah. Do you know why? Oh, <laughs> God's sake, is it the wool trade? Yes! Oh, God. And also because um, it was a particularly fertile land in terms oh, yes. of crops and also because of... Um, mining that was going on in Wales. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've, we've, I think we've mentioned before that like the fertile soil, basically English rain is the reason that it's been so historically important. It's why the Vikings came over. Yeah, otherwise we would be kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah. But um, England but was like, wealthy. damn, we can make good crops here. We can. <laughs> um, it... Not anymore, industry's collapsed. Thank you, Thatcher. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she had much to do with farming. I I don't. I think we'd moved on by that point. Yeah. Okay, so the other reason was because England's tax system was just better than the rest of the Angevin Empire. Okay. And had moved on to cash taxes. Oh, not eels. Not eels. (laughs) I mean, I think we did still have eels at this point, according to your eel episode. Um, But in terms of, like, national taxes... yeah. It had moved on to money rather than having serfs who were allowed to keep a certain amount of yeah. whatever. Um, so instead, it's you can live on the land, but you've got to pay cash. Right. So this was really important. Um, however, the ransom was the equivalent of the current British government making a one-off payment of over a trillion pounds. Damn. Because it was three times the annual expenditure of the British government then, that it would be a trillion pounds today. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I mean... It's doable. Yeah. But you don't want to. No. (laughs) So Eleanor and all of her advisors um, Mm -hmm. worked out various ways to gather this money. Right. So partly it was gathered from taxation. There was a ransom tax. Yeah. And every freeman was taxed a quarter of their annual income. Oh, damn. I know. That's crazy. It's insane. How do they not get pissed off at this? Because it's Richard and they Ah. love him. (laughs) They're like, you see John and all Mm -hmm. those nobles? If we get Richard back, they're gone. Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, oh, thank God. I'll give you as much as I can. Like, the thing is that getting Richard back is the only thing holding England back from war and invasion. Uh, And there have been already, like, lots of mini battles that don't get discussed much because they're so pointless. But it's it's been a hell of a time with him gone. I kind of feel like the idea of Richard is far more important than the man himself. Yes. Like, he seems a bit useless, really. Yeah, I mean, he just wants to have a good time and he doesn't know what money is. Yeah, but, you know, him being king is great. Yes, yeah. (laughs) We want him to be king. He doesn't even need to spend any time in England. No, isn't it something like he spoke spoke French mostly? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most people did speak French who were noble anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Um, up until the time of Edward III and Geoffrey Chaucer. Right. But the statistic on him is that he spent less of a quarter of less than that's a quarter it. of his reign yes. in England, which is one of those things that's always portrayed as him being a really bad king, but we also have to consider that he had a whole empire to yeah. run, so fair enough actually. And a very profitable biscuit company. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, so Argevin biscuits. biscuits. So part of its taxes this huge amount of tax. Mm-hmm. And part of it is from the churches. Okay. Now, yeah. this is another thing of Richard not knowing the value of money because when he was told, you know, 100,000 silver marks, he went, that's fine. Let's just tell the people of Canterbury Cathedral to hand <laughs> over what they've got. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, right, if we're doing this modern money, you say a trillion pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you go to Canterbury and like, hey, guys, we just need a trillion pounds. So if you can just hand that over, yeah. it'd be great. And it's like, Canterbury Cathedral was really wealthy at this yeah. point. It wasn't that wealthy. No. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah, part of it was gathered from the churches and abbeys. They were asked to hand over all their gold and silver with the understanding that they'd slowly get paid it back. So it's kind of a loan. Um, Eleanor, being a kind of stout churchwoman and knowing how to play politics well, Mm -hmm. made sure that all of the particularly fine pieces of gold and silver uh, were kept in the churches. Um, And so she really got like a box ticked, you know, (laughs) For, for, for good works there. Um, and part of it was a donation. Okay. So all of his friends and like officials were asked to donate. Mm. And this kind of goes to show how popular Richard the Lionheart was. Uh, William the Lion, who was the king of the Scots at this point, right. donated 2,000 marks. Whoa. Okay. Damn. And that is, you know, England's historic um, enemy. Yeah. There was a lot of squabbling going on. But he liked Richards. Okay, you know what I, I'm thinking now about, like, the history of British kings. Mm-hmm. What we like as a country is a ruler who just kind of is there to have a good time and be popular. Yeah. Everything else can get sorted out by other people, but the person in charge needs to just be a fun-loving guy. Yes. <laughs> I, I guess this is the thing. I think, actually, Richard not being there a lot of the time is helpful. Yeah. Because you can just be like, he's great, isn't he? Oh, he's so good. He's not doing anything to us. He's great. He's off. He's partying. You see him in the pub. He'll buy you a few pints and probably a cathedral. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you're great. Then John turns up, tries to be hands-on. We don't like that. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then finally, and this is the most concerning part is that there was a special tax levied on the financiers. Right. Okay. Are they Jewish? They are Jewish! Yes. So at this point in time, there was a reasonable Jewish population Mm -hmm. in England. They had been brought over by William of Normandy Mm -hmm. specifically to be bankers. Right, yeah. This is because during medieval times, um, Jewish people were allowed to practice usury, which Mm. Christians weren't. Yeah. And one of the things that's really interesting about this, by the way, that I think not many people know, is that technically in the Torah, Jewish people aren't supposed to practice usury. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah. But because um, because they were aware of the suffering of the Jewish people in so many Christian countries where they weren't allowed to possess any property right there was a very famous um rabbi yeah who said we are going to do a special dispensation and say that it's okay for jewish people to lend money man what a practical religion (laughs) yeah i think as far as i can tell the jewish people are reasonably practical they were like okay this is causing a lot of suffering we're not allowed to own any property we are allowed to own money right it's very, it's it's practical. It makes a lot of sense. So why are they shit on by every single conspiracy theory? <laughs> because that very practicality means that the Jewish people tended to get quite wealthy right. because they were the only people who were allowed to make money off lending money mm. back in their day. I was going to say, so usury, just to be clear on this, is money lending. It's money lending at a profit. At a profit, yeah. yeah. So... Christians were not allowed to lend money at a profit, like the way that all banks do today. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Actually, that's a very good point. I'm sure there are some very wealthy bankers and people related to them who profess to being Christian. Yes, they are breaking the original rules of Christianity. Tut, tut. Mm -hmm. I'm sure um, Jacob Rees-Mogg is probably involved in there somewhere. (laughs) No one should make money, according to early Christianity, by lending money. Tut, tut, Jacob. Tut, you're supposed to give it freely. Yeah. Um, Okay, so because of this, Mm -hmm. it meant that for certain European kings, they were a distinct bonus to have in your country. Right. Um, And they got special protections under the rules of those kings. Mm. So when the Jews came over to England, it was in 1066 with William the Conqueror and they were set up in specific areas right next to the castles because they have protection Yeah, in a way that at the time no one else did. I see. So you put them next to the castle as a sort of like, hey, you want to mess with them? You want to mess with them? We're right here. Yeah. We're keeping an eye on you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
this obviously causes problems later on. Yes. Um, okay, so when they put the special tax on the financiers, they literally said, okay, we need to raise between 3,000 and 5,000 silver marks from the Jews specifically. Right. And this caused problems for them later down the line because mm. what this meant was that a lot of Jewish financiers had to call in their debts suddenly. Oh, no. Which no one likes. Oh, oh, this is so sad because you, I can see exactly what's going on here. So the crown goes to the Jewish user, uh, usurers mm-hmm. and is like, hey, we need this money. The usurers are like, okay, we'll call in our debts. Yeah. The people who have the debts are like, God, look at these Jewish people. They're so they're so money grubbing, and it's not because you know they've got to raise a load of money themselves. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, this definitely caused a wave of anti-Semitism in mm. England, um, which was not helped by the fact that we'd just had a crusade, which oh, also yeah, tends course. to bring up some anti-Semitic Arr. ideas because everyone's going raw Christianity. Yeah. So, that aside... <laughs> Not Ra, that's Egyptian. <laughs> <laughs> so, I felt like this was worth raising because yeah. it is one of those moments where I think with things like anti-Semitism, there's a tendency to kind of accept that people have stupid, racist, xenophobic yeah. ideas. And I think it's worth always knowing where these ideas come mm. from and why they're wrong. But with Jewish people, the idea that, oh, Jews are so wealthy comes from this medieval thing that Jewish people were allowed to make money from money and no one else was. Yeah. And that obviously made people really tense and unhappy, which is why if you feel tense and unhappy with a particular group of people and you think that they might have advantages over you, you always have to question that because yeah. you might just be like a medieval person who's being anti-Semitic. <laughs> That's a good message. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's worthwhile. It's, yeah. I... There's a lot of stuff coming up in this episode that is really resonating with me for modern life at the moment. Nothing ever changes. No, nothing really changes. Like when I was mentioning about how, you know, we British like our kings, you know, bombastic and just sort of like there to have a good time. I was like, this is why Johnson's in power. Yeah, we like, this is we as a country kind of like him because he's fun sort Ugh. of i mean yes i, 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 know, I know i know i know but, but yeah but we don't feel like he's untrustworthy no because even though he clearly is and is like very upfront about how he is untrustworthy oh sure but you know that's part of the fun yeah god the labor party really needs to learn from history the labor party needs their richard the lionheart yeah. i don't know how that would work i do but we'll talk off air okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I ain't so. giving away trade secrets to the listeners. <laughs> we'll end this episode by talking about two things. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that while obviously this was a bad thing, the whole ransom for the Jewish community, yeah. it may have helped England. Yeah, I was just thinking, when you were talking about like getting money from churches, I imagine this is kind of going to stimulate the economy a bit because it like cycles wealth mm-hmm. around a bit more. Well, it doesn't stimulate the economy in England. It has moved wealth across Europe. Yeah. What it has done is taken a lot of silver coins out of circulation. Right. At this point, England was heading into hyperinflation because oh. we actually had silver mines in Wales. Right that were producing a lot of silver coinage mm. and no one had experienced hyperinflation before because coin was such an yeah, unusual thing. Yeah. Um, so it's everything was starting to become less in, lesser in value right. and it wasn't something that anyone knew how to deal with. Yeah. So we literally took a fifth of that <laughs> and got rid of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. So actually, this is one of those times when maybe getting rid of a lot of your money is good thing. <laughs> um, the other thing is talking about how this money got to Germany. Catapult. Very big catapult. Oh no, I wanted to say something that was cooler than your idea. Oh okay, what is it? Eleanor took it. Oh yay! So Eleanor of Aquitaine at this point in her mid to late 70s. She got in the catapult with the silver. <laughs> she takes a large part of a hundred thousand silver pieces mm. with a guard and personally travels with it into the heart of the Holy Roman Empire um, so that she can see her son, rescue him, 
and hand over the money. I mean, I think, okay, I think there's two possibilities here. One, she's had a rough time. She just wants a holiday. (laughs) True. Or two, she's the only competent person. She doesn't trust that anyone else will actually do it. Like, she'll send someone and they'll end up in Denmark, like, exchanging Mm -hmm. it for a small squirrel. I think it might be the second of those. I mean... Eleanor of Aquitaine knows she can survive most things. At one point on her journey back from the Crusades, she had been kidnapped by pirates. Oh, damn. (laughs) She managed to get out of that one. Um, She's just like... Why is she reminding me of your great aunt who was... uh, Wasn't your great aunt attacked by pirates? At least once, yes. (laughs) Um, She's just... She just knows she can handle stuff. Yeah. And... I think at this point she does want to rest. Mm. Um, I swear I remember reading somewhere that she had tried to retire to a nunnery and then like literally a couple of years later things went down again and she's like... Yes, so I I have actually read Blondell's song Mm -hmm. uh, a number of years ago. I do distinctly remember that because it's very much that kind of like action hero thing where it's like, (laughs) you've got to get Eleanor out of retirement. You got one last job. She's the only one who can do it. (laughs) It's like, I'm out of the game, man. (laughs) I'm out of the game. I just want to spend some quiet contemplation time in prayer. (laughs) Actually, that even works with the action hero thing. Like, like, they've gone to uh, sequester themselves in a monastery. Mm -hmm. They got your son. Oh, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love this film. (laughs) We must make it. Yeah. But that's all I've got to say, really, Brilliant. about um, Richard the Lionheart. I think I've ended his story as far mm. as I'm willing to tell it. There's yeah. probably way more, but to be honest, it's dense and full of weird happenings. Yeah. And that kind of brings us to the end of Eleanor's av- um, adventure days as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she probably did something mad in her last few years of life. But, Almost definitely. But we've got, we've got towards the end of that, too. Yeah. Um, so... Thank you for keeping going with me for a full 50 episodes. And hopefully we'll do at least 50 more. Hopefully so. So thank you very much for listening to that episode of That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email us at ttwpod at gmail.com. If you could give us a shout out on Twitter, it would be much appreciated. I think we're on to a good thing. And I want to Mm. share that with even more people. Absolutely. And the best way you can help us with that is by shouting us out yeah thank you as ever to kevin mcleod for our theme song anachronist as well as any other music that barnaby's put into the podcast thank you for listening go out invest in eels and ransom your son bye